Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going racing and counting down the first things you notice about someone. If you've never ridden a dirt bike, then it's just this feeling of freedom. Like it's you could have a million problems going on in the day, but once you get on that dirt bike, it's a feeling like no other. And I think it like teaches you a lot about yourself. I've broken a collarbone, I had a torn lateral meniscus, I've broken my wrist, I have compressed discs in my lower back, and then I also drive monster trucks. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest has done all kinds of dirt bike racing. Everything from going 90 miles an hour across open desert to these massive 80-foot-plus jumps. It's really, it's one of those things that you've seen on TV, but if you don't know about it, you don't necessarily know how much training goes into this and the kind of experiences that they can have. This is professional dirt bike racer Taylor Hyman. Did you start off really young or was this something you kind of got into later in life? It was actually something that I got into later in life. My younger sister, who's two years younger than me, she started riding uh, actually two years before I did. And, you know, I was already in high school. I was 16, 17 years old when I started. So that's pretty late for anybody in the motocross industry. Usually people who are like grown up to be, you know, prodigies, motocross racers. They're doing it from the age of two to four years old starting. So, and it's actually a really funny story of how I got started riding. My sister took me out, my sister and my dad, and we're on this starter bike. It's a TTR uh, 220. And the suspension, there's like no suspension on it. And I was in tennis shoes, which like you should never do. You should always wear your protective equipment. But it was my first time. So I was just in tennis shoes. And I was like, all right, well, I started feeling pretty comfortable, feeling pretty good. So I started hitting some jumps out there. And the first jump that I hit, it was just like this little jump, like I probably wasn't even two feet off the ground. But my foot slipped off and it put a huge gash in my ankle um, and like to where I like needed stitches for it. But I always like to say from then on, I was hooked on riding because <laughs> I just love it now. And I, it didn't stop me. That little injury didn't stop me from, you know, pursuing my passion. What was, what was it about it that was so interesting to you? What did you like about it? When you wouldn't, if you've never ridden a dirt bike, then it's just this feeling of freedom. Like it's, you could have a million problems going on in the day, but once you get on that dirt bike, it's a feeling like no other. And I think it like teaches you a lot about yourself. And like, to me, it taught me a lot about confidence and like, 
you know, if you fall down, you should get back up and do it again and, you know, prove it to yourself that you can do it. So for me, it taught me a lot about who I am on the inside. It brought a lot of those, um, you know, headstrong qualities out, but it also like connected me to a lot of great people within the, within the industry. And like now I have lifelong friends because of it. How did you go from kind of just recreational to competing Mm -hmm. in it? Yeah, I was riding for about four years before I even raced anything. And, uh, well, race seriously. I mean, we had these local races that we would do, and it was, like, the same girls every weekend. And it was just fun. It was just, like, family time out there. So it was actually um, my junior year of college. Uh, I was going to school for marketing and communication, and I graduated in 2018 with my degree. Well, in that year, as as I was pursuing my degree, I actually got fired from my job because I went to school. So they needed somebody who was full time. So I got laid off from my job. And, you know, I had I wanted to race so bad, but all the races that, you know, I wanted to compete in were outside of the Las Vegas area. And they're all in Southern California, which is the heart of motocross. So I was just ready to go. So I got laid off and I just started riding in the desert like by myself for like a couple hours every day. I'd come back, clean my bike up, go to the gym, do my thing. And uh, I went out and my dad didn't know that I was heading to this race in California. That was like four hours away. <laughs> and um, I actually took first place and that was my first first place ever. So that that's what sparked fire in me is, you know, people telling me that I couldn't do it, not just my dad. And then also like, just a lot of things going on in my life and motocross is my escape. We've talked to a number of different people from different industries, athletes, actors, entertainers, and a lot of them have said like what started their career was a bad experience, was Mm -hmm. getting fired, getting kicked out of a house. How do you turn that negative into a positive? Yeah, I mean, I feel like whenever something, you know, like that happens, it's, you find something that you're passionate about and you lose yourself almost or even find yourself in it. And that's what happened for me was, you know, I, I was having all of this, you know, life stuff because life is messy happen and motocross was my escape for it. And, you know, it just like whenever I'm on my dirt bike, it's just like a feeling of freedom. It's a feeling of like, I, I belong here. Like this is exactly where I need to be right now. I mean, motocross and off-road racing seems like a more extreme sport. Do you mm-hmm. generally kind of do more extreme things? Are you jumping yeah, out of I airplanes? <laughs> or is, it, is it a whole, like, personality, so to speak? I, I would say so because um, I've always been, like, an adrenaline junkie. And, you know, it, it didn't start with motocross. I grew up going camping or I was boating at Havasu in the summers or it was, uh, you know, going to Dumont in the winters, which – like we'd ride our side by sides and quads at that time before dirt bikes were around. Now I now I snowboard and I race supercross, which is like the next level from motocross, and everybody wants to ride into supercross. Um, and then I also drive monster trucks. <laughs> so okay, it's a lot of different stuff. Yeah, um, it's, but it's all adrenaline. I'm a total adrenaline junkie. So the difference. Okay, what's the difference between off-road racing, motocross, mm-hmm. and supercross? Like, what's yeah, what's the difference right. for somebody who doesn't know anything besides that those are different words? Yeah, so off-road racing is what I started with. And that's, like, 
going out into the desert and just like putting on a race, they'll mark the course. But those races can be anywhere from an hour long to four hours long to the longest race in the United States, uh, which is Vegas to Reno held on by best in the desert. And that and on a good day, it took us 12 and a half hours to finish. And we wow. literally raced from uh, Tonopah, Nevada to uh, all the way up to Reno. And that's 550 miles. So I've done that race multiple times now. Um, so that's off-road racing, which is not any kind of jumps. It's straight. You're in the desert and you're, it's you, your machine against the terrain. And then you have motocross, which is more controlled environment and there's jumps and you're set on a course that's you know a couple miles long probably but those uh the length of those races are a lot shorter they can be anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes long so they're a lot shorter um they're more sprints and you're also adding the elements of jumping into the mix and then you have supercross which is you know if anybody who takes their riding seriously they all want to get into supercross to become a professional. So supercross is what is shown on TV and the professionals race on Saturday night. Well, what's really cool, you know, Feld entertainment supercross have put on a race the next day on select rounds that they trim down the course a little bit because supercross is like next level. It's so dangerous and those jumps are insane um, so they trim down the course uh, a little bit. So amateurs like myself would be able to ride it the next day and compete against other amateurs on the next day. So is that kind of the goal is to go professional supercross? For me, no, <laughs> that was never my goal. I just love to ride. But yes, for anybody who wants to be a professional in motocross, supercross is definitely the goal. Is there female supercross competitors? You know, um, there is not at the moment, but there have been, you know, professional rate women professional racers who have tried to get into main events in the past, which you do have to qualify because there's a ton of people who want to get into the main event. That's the night show. That's what's shown on TV. So you have to qualify into it. Uh, and the only woman to qualify into a main event was actually Vicky Golden. And she now does freestyle for Nitro Circus, which I'm not sure if you've heard of or not. Yeah, that's the uh, Travis Pastrana thing, right? Correct. Yeah, she she broke. She just recently broke the world record. Um, you know, Evil Knievel's going through uh, boards. I believe it was 14 boards that she went to. She just broke that Evil Knievel record. So she is definitely a total, totally amazing, skilled rider. And she's the only woman to make it into a main event in Supercross. So when the those jumps that that you guys are doing, mm -hmm. like on TV, it looks big, right? Like how yeah. like how tall are are those jumps? They're probably bigger in person <laughs> than on TV. Also, um, you know, I think a, a finish line would probably be about eighty feet across. What would be safe to say? Yeah, and you can get you know. <sighs> And I don't want to be wrong when I say this, but you're probably in the air about 20, 25 feet up in the air. Um, but yeah, they're about 80 feet across, if not larger than that. Have you ever missed one? Like, I always wonder what happens oh, if yeah. they... <laughs> 
Um, and that's the scary part when you're racing motocross and supercross and, you know, I've raced desert before. So I've done all walks, you know, all of the different types of racing that you can do. Um, I've been injured in almost every single one of them. And that's just comes with the territory of racing, you know, dirt bikes. It's a dangerous sport. But, you know, I, I have missed a couple jumps before and it just makes you uh, learn your timing and you got to learn your bike and you got to know your speed coming up to it and you, you're just a little bit more cautious after. So I try not to miss those jumps as much as possible. When you miss them, do you do you miss it long? Do you miss it short? Or like, how do you miss it? Um. Well, I mean, I've had a few that I've come up short and I've I've cased it, which, you know, either my front tire hit at first or my back tire clip, clipped the back of it and it's flung me off the bike. Uh, I've had a few injuries, but, you know, nothing to make me want to quit this sport. That's for sure. In terms of injuries, like what kind of injuries are we talking about? I've broken a collarbone. I had a torn lateral meniscus. I've broken my wrist. I have compressed discs in my lower back. Um, you know, a couple concussions bumps and bruises and rub a little dirt on it and you're good to go <laughs> how do you get insurance <laughs> do you have trouble getting insurance like what do you have to how does that work <laughs> no i have great insurance actually <laughs> but i try to you know minimize my injuries obviously as much as possible i go to the gym all the time i'm very um i'm actually in a fitness competition right now so that's the next thing that i'm training for and, you know, you just try to take care of your body. We're 1,000% athletes. This is the toughest sport in the world. And, you know, you have to do everything that a football player or, you know, baseball they would do. you got to stretch. You have to work out. And you have to train your muscles so that you can avoid these injuries on the bike. So for somebody who, you know, has just seen it on TV, mm-hmm. what what makes you good at it? Like, why are you good at it? Is it a physical thing? Is it a mental thing? I think it's a combination of both. I definitely have had races where I've been too much in my my own head. And physically, I have the ability to win the race. But mentally, you know, if you get you, you got to get out of your own way. So I definitely think it's a combination of both. I also believe it's a combination of, you know, is it your day or not? And, you know, what's the track like? There's so many different variables that go into racing i mean it's your bike it's you and it's and and it's you against the course as well so um i've had a lot of you know i've I've had a lot of great races and i've won quite a few championships but each race is is if you can conquer that race (laughs) you've just won you know so it overall championships are are very impressive because it takes if there's 12 races in a series you probably need to win 10 of those races or you need to be on podium in 10 of those races so how many championships do you have now i have six championships um and i actually accumulated six championships in two years so so desert racing when you're out there for just like 12 hours yeah, desert and desert racing is different from GPs. Desert racing is like um, best in the desert. I'm, I'm sure people have heard of the Mint 400, yeah. which is a historic race in Las Vegas. And they just they'll tell you, okay, you're going to race for 175 miles. You have 24 hours to complete it. And however long it takes you to complete that is however long it takes you. Vegas Torino, same deal, 540 miles. And we have 24 hours to complete the race. We could have mechanical issues that set you back. 
thankfully, the past two times that I've raced it, we've been able to podium with no issues, which is, like, really, really incredible because it's 540 miles you're running a bike at, at one single time, so a lot can go wrong there. Have you ever felt like you were going to be stranded out there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, in another race held by the same organization that puts on Vegas Torino or the Mint 400, it was the Parker 250. And when we do these long-distance races, we're usually on a team of three to four people, including myself. So I always team up with the girls, and we always kick, kick butt. But um, So it was my turn to get onto the bike. And the we were racing a 125, 250, a 125 cc bike, 250 miles, which is like that's pushing that bike. You know, that yeah. bike doesn't have that much power. So it was my turn to get on, and I literally get three miles into the race, and the bike blew up on me, and I had to walk back. I had to leave the bike there. I walked three miles back to our pit because otherwise you're just stranded out there. And then I had to walk another three miles back with some help to get the bike and then walk another three miles back. So Okay, let me ask you this question and then you can tell me why I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> so how much of this depends on the rider? Like why couldn't mm -hmm. a woman compete with a man if, okay. and here's the dumb part, <laughs> if the bike is kind of, for a layperson, looks like it's doing all the work? Like help me understand right. why that is. Uh, yeah, I mean you definitely use every single muscle in your body when you're riding these dirt bikes. I mean, uh, a dirt bike is what three to 400 pounds. So yeah. you're controlling this machine and all the power is in your hand. So you're gripping with your legs, you're gripping with your, your knees, your shoulders are working, your back muscles are working. I mean, the first couple times that I rode a dirt bike, I literally couldn't even get out of bed. I was so sore. So it definitely has, uh, it takes a skill or it takes a lot of muscle strength too. So when women and we can be, we're riding the same bikes, like two fifties and two fifties, I ride a two fifty and you know, a lot of guys ride two fifties, but physically men are stronger no matter how much I go into the gym. You know, it's just, it's just the natural way that of yeah. life of how men and women are so you know using all these muscles it, it definitely a man can control it a lot more but that's where vicky golden comes in and she's you know she's very very fast and she beats a lot of men but there's also that 20 percent that still beat her because they're just they just have, are on another level so um, it definitely definitely takes a lot of skill and a lot of strength to control these machines how do you balance that line between kind of pushing yourself and maybe being out of control? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of people that ride over their heads is what we call it. And it's just like they're just full throttle. There's no control. There's no skill going into it. And it's pretty dangerous. And um, I never rode like that because I never wanted to get hurt. And like, that was always in my head that I, you know, I can't get hurt. I got to go to work. I got stuff to do. So the people that ride over their heads, you know, they, it just hasn't clicked for them yet that they don't have to ride that way. That if they slow down a little bit, it's faster than getting, you know, it's faster to be slower and not be on the ground and getting injured. So 
<laughs> yeah, that makes sense. The idea that like you can race past me in the straightaway, but if you right. crash in the curve, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And I've had that happen to me so many times during races is somebody's just coming out full throttle. They're all over the place and I just back up a little bit because it's just a matter of time before they go down. But how do you know like, okay, maybe I'm just in my comfort zone. What if I just Mm -hmm. went a little bit faster, a little bit faster here? Right. And that's all mental. Like that's where the the mental game comes into play um, is like, okay, now I'm playing. And that was me for a while too, because when I was doing Monster Jam, training for Monster Jam, um, I could not get hurt. Otherwise, the opportunity would be thrown out the window. So I would definitely tell myself to, you know, like chill out, chill out, chill out. And then, you know, once I got the clear to go ride again, I wasn't riding to the best of my ability. So for me, what got me out of my comfort zone was I, I knew what I could do and I just had to tell myself to not let off, like coming up to a jump, just keep going, just hit it. Like, don't let off. Don't be scared of it. You know, you can do this. The bike will always make it. It's just, will you give it the gas to make it? Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, will you be on it when the bike makes it? (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to give it the gas and get over it. Get over it. I I mean, I've ridden dirt bikes a number of times, and I've seen some of those jumps, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I I don't. I don't. And you you come up to it, and then you let off, and then you just don't make it over. And that was my thing, too, is, like, I knew I could hit these jumps. I knew I, you know, I was fast enough. I knew the speed that I had. And, you know, what I'm capable of, but I just had to get out of my own head and I just had to do it. So tell me about Monster Jam. Yeah, Monster Jam was, you know, a crazy experience. Um, You know, I had to go to Florida and audition and out of 36 people who auditioned for the training positions, only only eight of us got chosen or seven of us were chosen. So we were all selected to go train with the legendary Tom Mentz of Maximum Destruction um, at his house. And he was our instructor. And, uh, you know, I went there for four different training sessions that were a week long. And I learned how to drive these incredible 12,000 pound, 1500 horsepower Monster Jam trucks. And let me tell you, it was the most exhilarating, amazing thing I've ever done. I, I absolutely fell in love with driving these trucks. They're incredible what we can do in them. Are they, do they, but their power, is their power to rate weight ratio more than like a dirt bike? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 1500 horsepower. I mean, you can like, whenever you step on the gas and you throw it into second, cause it's a two speed hydroglide, you just like, you get thrown back into your seat. There's so much power. It's, it's so fun to have that much power in your control. Are you going to, is that, I'll, I'll, is that, a, are you going to keep doing it or what's the situation there? Um, everything is owned by Feld Entertainment through Monster Jam. So whenever they have a spot available, which all the spots are available for this year, then you know they'll give us a call and let us know what what the next step is. But it's actually really really cool because we went to what we call workshop, which is like the final test of these Monster Jam trucks, and we did um, six shows in three days, and we did interviews exactly like how you would do a show in an arena. Yeah. Um, and we did that, and it was it was very challenging. But um, we got to we got to put on some shows and run through full shows. So we actually graduated from Monster Jam University. Which, if you look it up online, you can actually see how you can apply to be in Monster Jam University. 
That's pretty cool. Um, so wait, are these the ones that like Gold Digger and the Scooby Doo and Bigfoot? Yeah. Those are those, yeah. okay? Yep, exactly. Which those one? are Feld Entertainment trucks. Which one did you drive? Uh, I was put in El Toro Loco for the week, Ooh, so I got one. the bull for the week. That's <laughs> cool. Like I know, I can, I know which one you're talking about too. Like yeah, it's yellow yeah. and red. Yep, yep, the bull. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Obviously. You know, being a woman in this kind of what seems to be a male-dominated thing, do you feel any pressure? Like, do you feel like you have to trailblaze for other people? Um, I don't necessarily feel pressured. I more feel, like, proud to be, you know, a woman in a male-dominated sport like this because just in my short time being involved in the motorsports industry – I feel like I've helped quite a few women get also get involved into it as well. And, you know, one thing that I do, I own my own marketing agency. We focus on lead generation, you know, website development, all that good stuff, online advertising. But I also, through my marketing agency, help other women get to the races. I actually sponsor four girls um, through 362 Media and you know, I help them get to the races and I also help them develop their platforms and their brands and anything that they can do to help their sponsors see value in sponsoring them. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's a passion of mine to help grow this sport and help get more women involved. And in 2018, um, I was featured on the, uh, Monster Energy Supercross in Toyota USA's Makeup to Mud movement, which if you type in Makeup to Mud Taylor Hyman, then you can see my video of and they came and they filmed me from, for two days. And it's this incredible movement where they come and they film 16 women from across the country each year. This is the third year that they're doing it. I was on the first year. And they tell their story about how they got involved in the motocross, what fuels their passion, how did it help you? And, you know, just with this movement alone, I can see a rise on the starting line because I went from seeing like maybe like four or five girls when I first started racing to like having a full gate, which is really, really cool. Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted, submitted questions? Yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. How do you feel about the game Excite Bike? Excite Bike? You're- I've actually never heard of that oh my god people of my generation are offended right now (laughs) i don't play a lot of video games though so can't get mad at me too much (laughs) this like the original dirt bike motocross thing oh you gotta you gotta look it up oh excite bike all right i'm writing it down anybody over 30 which is basically my age close to 35 (laughs) right now are just like these kids they know nothing about video if you would have said like the old crusty demon videos and you know old dirt bike videos i watched all those i love those are video games Uh, i never really played video games so all right okay so best motocross movie Ooh, um i (laughs) i actually love 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 and, and this was before i even started writing the the disney movie motocross about the girl rider where her brother gets injured and he was like going for a national championship so she decides to like cut her hair put on his helmet and she goes out and she beats all the guys and i'm like that's awesome that's my favorite motocross movie favorite motocross lingo lingo oh we say like 
well, I say, I don't say we, but I say like, oh, that's rad or I'm stoked or, um, you know, like we case that jump or like, you know, stuff like that. So <laughs> do people, do people go blamp blamp? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily say it, but yeah, there's people that do. How do you say it again? Brop. <laughs> brop, brop. Brop, brop. <laughs> Fastest you've ever gone? Uh, we geared our Vegas Torino bike. I think it clocked out at like 90-something miles per hour. Obviously, for people who may put that in perspective, that's in the desert. That's not like you're on a yeah, road doing that. That's like going down a straightaway. There could be a rock in front of you, and we don't even know it. That's like going super fast. Worst reason you've ever crashed? Like, oh my god, I saw a bunny <sighs> Yeah, or the worst crash I ever had. Um, the worst crash I ever had. I would say it was when I broke. Um, when I got those compressed discs in my back, probably because I've hit this jump like a thousand times. I was feeling so good. And then it just took that one time for me to like come up just a little short and I scorpioned it into the ground and the bike landed on me and I thought my friend was going to land on me and he, you know, he stopped and he was like, oh my gosh, that was so gnarly. That was like one of the worst crashes I've ever seen. Thankfully I was okay. I just had back issues now. Scorpion did. Is that what I like? The back yep, end comes yep, over the front. Plant, legs overhead and sliding into the dirt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> At least, I mean, yeah. look, if you're going to do it, go big or go home. I wish I had a video of it. That would have been great. Would have made it worth it. <laughs> this, now, I mean, can this be, can this be full time? Can this be the whole job? Uh, racing? That was never my intention. Actually, you know, I love marketing and I went to college and I started really, really late. But uh, for me, it was never my intention. For some people, yes, it's totally their entire life, their their career and what they aspire to be. But though, there's like a very few percentage that actually get to live out that dream. Uh, so what's what's next for you? What's coming up? Um, coming up in the next uh, eight weeks, I have a fitness competition that I've been training really, really hard for. I've always, always loved fitness. I've worked out for years, but... Um, when I started college, I gained like 20 plus pounds, you know, the freshman 20 and, um, I just didn't have time to do a fitness competition. So I said, when I graduated college, I was going to do this. And, um, a year later, here I am. So I've committed a lot of time to it and that's coming up on April 11th. And I'm really, really excited and nervous because it's something that I've never done before. Um, and then also I'm going to be racing, here in Vegas, um, Supercross Futures, and then Salt Lake Supercross Futures as well, coming up in April and May. I want to thank Taylor so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we've linked to her on our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we've also included her information about all these cool things that she's got coming up in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Do you know what you look like, or are you surprised when you see yourself in a picture or when you look in the mirror? Like, are you surprised that, oh, that's what I look like, or are you pretty much not? No, I'm not. I'm pretty, uh, you know, for, forgive my quick out of breath, I had to run to the phone. I had a mini emergency right before I 
I literally went to go grab a glass of water at like a minute before we were uh, set to tape this, and I knocked a gigantic glass of water all over our kitchen counter. How big of a glass of water are we talking about? I, I need I need ounces. ounces. I want fluid ounces. I mean, it, it's at least probably 16 ounces. I wouldn't say that's a gigantic glass. That's medium at best. <laughs> if you went to the well, gas station and got that, that would be labeled a small. So don't come in here and start this episode off by lying to the people. Like, why did what happened? Why did you knock it over? What? Give me the circumstances. It's I I I don't know. I just went to grab it, looked away, looked back, and it was tipped over. It's been one of those days. You ever have one of those days where literally everything you touch just turns to shit? Not really. No. Oh well, <laughs> then you're fortunate. Maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know. But uh... see, for for me though, if I have a number of bad experiences like that, like I'm just gonna give up for the day. Like this ain't working. Just try again tomorrow. <laughs> if something just moderately bad has happened to you or you had a moderately bad day, I'm not really that interested in it. Like, I only want to know if you've had something really bad, like you chopped your finger off, or if you, like, won the lottery. Anything other than that, I'm pretty much just like, oh, yeah, dude, I, I've, I've been alive, too. Like, this shit happens. <laughs> Get over it. That's fair. Thanks for uh, thanks for making me feel even better. Are you ready to uh, move on? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, let's just go straight to your segment here because I feel like you didn't really answer my question. Because for me, <laughs> I'm a little like when I see a picture of myself, that's not really what the mental image of me looks like. What do you think you look like? I'm either – okay. Whenever I see a picture of myself or look at myself in the mirror, I'm either two points better looking than I thought I was or two points uglier than I thought I was. <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm always going with at least three points worse looking than I thought I was. I never think I'm going to come out looking good whatsoever. Yeah, but I'm, I think it gets worse and worse as you get older that you're just constantly like, oh, God, that's what I look like now. <laughs> See, I, I would argue to say that I, I, I hope as I get older, I give less of a shit. So then it's like, oh, yeah, take a picture of me. I don't care if. I have three chins and my tits are down in my stomach. Where are they at right now, by the way? Actually, uh, you'd be pretty impressed. I've lost almost 15 pounds in the last month. Really? I have. I've been, uh, this is no joke. And once again, no one cares. Or maybe they do care. I don't know. But uh, Only if you're doing uh, like meth. You're doing some solid good drugs, then I want to know about it. If you're just like diet and exercise, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, it's not the drugs, uh, so I guess I'll go fuck myself. But, uh, but yes, so I'm, 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 feel, I'm feeling good. But uh, are you I almost? Are you almost at like changing your pants level? Do you have to go to get new pants? <laughs> not yet, but I, I'm to the point where like dress shirts that were busting at the seams aren't busting anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm down to about two seventy ish. What, so you were at 285? Yeah, I, I might have been a little higher than that at my heaviest. What a beast. What a beast. <laughs> but you know, like, it's kind of funny that you asked about image because, like, I've never thought of myself as, like, a fat person. I could be. I mean, maybe I am. I don't know. But, like, I can still get out there and, and I can do most things that, like, large people who are completely unathletic can't. But when it comes to taking a picture, like I'm always expecting me to look like fat bastard from uh, Austin Powers, you know. Um, for people who don't know, 
Uh, basically, the best way to picture John Shaw is to go to the grocery store or go into your fruit cabinet, find a pear, turn it upside down, and that is what his body type is. <laughs> that I mean, that's that's one hundred percent accurate. I don't know. I have a gigantic upper body, and then like once you get to my waist, it's like where the fuck does the rest of his body go? Anyway, so here we go. Uh, big ups. Uh, it's a lot of social media uh, this week. Uh, we're going to start with Crystal, Grace, Ricky, Bruce, Courtney, Patrick, Mike, Wes, David, Andres, um, Vic, Joran, uh, Nomnivore Hotline, <laughs> That's pretty good. Life After Neverland, and El Hob. So appreciate all you guys <laughs> and everyone else who liked, subscribed, uh, commented. That's really awesome. You can uh, check us out. Uh, obviously, Profoundly Pointless is Profoundly Pointless on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's at Profoundly Double P. Um, and then on Instagram, you're Nick Holy underscore Holy shit, this is taking a long time. So, shout, out uh, to, shout out to Bruce. You don't hear a lot of Bruce's anymore. Not a lot of Bruce's out there. Good for <laughs> him. Do you know any Bruce's personally? No. I don't know any Bruce's. Me either. All right. Uh, so this first one's easy. Um, are you going to grab a glass bottle of Coke or a plastic bottle of Coke if Pla- you have the choice? Plastic, dude. I'm not wasting my time with that glass shit. First oh. of all, it doesn't taste any different, and I don't see what the point of it. It's more expensive, and then you got to worry about the glass bottle. Like, you can't really reuse it as easily. Go with the plastic. Join the 21st century or whatever century it is now. <laughs> you're, you're almost there. Um is it the twenty second? This one's also pretty simple. Are you uh you going old school with a number two pencil? Or are you gonna go with a lead pencil? No, I'm a fucking adult, and I use a pen because I don't have to erase everything that I say all the time. Get a pencil. Well, I, nobody that listens to this or knows you believes that, but that's fine. Who has a pencil? Like I don't understand how you could go to like, hey, look, I need to buy something to write with. I'm gonna get a pencil instead of a pen, like an adult. Once you get into high school, you can't – no, that's not true. Once you graduate high school, no more pencils unless you're doing math homework. You got to grow up. That's ridiculous. Get an adult. It's like if I was working at Staples and a grown adult came and was like, I need these pencils. Said, no, you can't have them. You're a fucking adult. Well, how would you do it? Would you do it respectfully and just like grab them and put them to the side or would you publicly shame that person? I would do it the same way that I would do it when I was working as a bartender and a man would walk up and be like, hey, give me a sex on the beach shot or a kamikaze. You know, I'd say, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I really want to believe you. I feel like you were actually that asshole bartender. No, I really would tell people and then they would complain to my manager and he would say, well, don't get that thing. Get something else. Because he completely agreed with me that six guys shouldn't be getting shots of sex on the beach unless they're doing it ironically. <laughs> All right, then the last one is uh, you got to wake up with one of these. Which one are you doing? Uh, crusty eyes, uh, that shit around your the corners of your mouth, or like a, a stuffed nose? Oh, I think I'd go crusty eyes. That's pretty standard, right? I mean, you can get that pretty out of there easily. And you basically have to take care of that when you wake up. If you're going stuffy nose, that's going to be a ruin of the day. You're going to have a hard rest of that day. And you got that stuff around your mouth. You might not necessarily notice it. You could be going around with that for a couple hours before somebody really points that out. I'm sure we've all been in that situation where others have pointed out one of those three uh, scenarios to you. And you're like, oh, shit. Just as a reminder, when was the last time you pooped all over your bed? 
Oh, I don't know. It's probably been about a good solid month. That's pretty good. You got a good streak. Hey, got a good the streak. The cat shit and pissed all over the bed this afternoon, so there's that. Well, that's what you get for having a cat. I fucking agree. Wow, we moved through. Okay, all right. So our top five <laughs> is, um, I feel like this could be really good. I feel like you might let me down a lot. I might get pretty angry with you. Uh, so top five things you first notice about people. What's your number five? Uh, so my number five is their teeth. Okay, that I could I I completely agree with that. I it's not on my top five, but I understand it. Like, are you looking directly at the teeth, or do you notice it kind of tangentially just when you're looking at their face? Yeah, I mean, probably. You know, probably it all depends. Like, if it's from afar and I see them, or like if they, it was more like when they come up to talk to you or interact with you. And it's dentists have been around for hundreds of years. Like, fucking go to one. See, I'll only notice teeth if they're really bad. If they're bad, I'm like, ooh, but then it's hard. It's hard to continue that conversation. But if they're just normal kind of adult teeth, like, hey, I've been to the dentist before, then I'm not I'm not really honing in on it. But if they're bad, it's hard to miss. Yeah, and bad can go from anything for me from missing a couple to them being all fucked up to, you know, a different color of, of brown, so to speak. Okay, what would you rather have? Those kind of teeth that are like spaced out a little bit where people can clearly see that they're spaced out a little bit. You want to have one snaggle tooth or do you want to have like miscolored teeth? Not real bad, but just a little bit where somebody be like, oh, those aren't the right color. Oh, that's tough. Uh, definitely not the color. Uh, where Where is the snaggle tooth? Can it be like not in the front? Let's go canine. Let's go canine top row. Uh, I'm probably going to have to go spaced out, I feel. Yeah, as long as it's just a little spaced out, that shouldn't be too bad. The snaggle tooth can be really kind of jarring if it's really bad. Okay, uh, my number five is how they're dressed, but I'm not talking about like their style or something like that. I'm not talking about it's it's more in terms of like do the clothes generally kind of fit them? Do they look like shit? Or do they look like, hey, maybe I didn't try very hard today, but I at least generally have an idea of how to dress myself? Kind of like the story that I told last week that you ripped me on where I wore shorts and a, a button-down, you know, long-sleeve shirt to a first date. Yeah, that's – see, but that's just a bad idea, right? But I wouldn't necessarily judge that because at least if it was clean – I would be like, okay, this person's not a complete fucking idiot. It's not like you got on sweatpants and a tank top, which is the worst combination ever. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that'd be the worst clothing combination. Sweatpants, tank top, and a scarf. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm just like picturing different combinations of that. That's really fucking bad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, a good one. That's pretty bad. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, so my number four is pretty, I, I feel like it has to be on your list, and it's like if somebody smells. Okay, so I have a big reason that that's not on my list. For people who don't know, and I don't know why people would know necessarily, I was born without a sense of smell. I have anosmia, I have no sense of smell. So that's not on my list. I really can't comment on that anyway, but I would imagine that if somebody stunk, you would notice that pretty quick. Yeah, and I'm, you know, once again, I, I, I guess there's some medical conditions where people smell, I, I get it. But I'm talking about like the people that don't shower, don't bathe, whatever, and they have the means to, and like they just stink. They've made a conscious decision to just go ahead and be nasty. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. What uh, What's your number four? Um, my number four is I think I'm, I'm going to add a little bit to it, but a laugh. Okay, I don't I don't have that on my top five, but I have it as an honorable mention. Yeah, I would say a laugh slash voice is up there pretty high. But it's kind of like my my number five of how somebody's dressed. If it's it's got to be bad for me to notice it. Like if you got an annoying fucking laugh, ooh, that's hard to get around. <laughs> like what? Like I'm putting you on the spot. Like what? Can you give us a uh, like? What's an annoying laugh to you? Is it like the high pitch? Is it like the? Like that's fucking bad. Makes me want to jump through into the street and get run over by a car. Oh, anything nasally. You got a nasal laugh, or just like ooh, or people who laugh at fucking everything. Nothing's that (laughs) funny, man. Yeah. Okay. What's your Uh, number three? So I think my number three, you're gonna hate, or you might respect. Um, and it's two things, but it kind of goes along with the same premise and it's when you meet someone and you shake their hand and if they don't look me in the eyes and give a firm grip that's uh, no i think that's pretty high up there especially for guys i think that's a big deal that's my number two actually oh wow all like right a well, limp I, I handshake. Thought you were me on that one but okay no i think a lot of guys would really would really kind of back that up like if somebody if i shake somebody's hand and it's limp or if they kind of look away oh man <laughs> yeah, the, the look away, the looking away gets me. It's, I also am not a big fan of if you go to shake. It's mostly men, but you know, shake their hand and like they, you're ready for the the full grip and like they kind of just go in with like three fingers and like I, I don't even know how to explain it, but they like put their whole hand around your hand. It's just it's awkward. What? I don't know what you're talking about. It's 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 like a limp handshake, but they don't go in with like the full hand. They only like put like two or three fingers in there and like almost like cup your your fingers. Oh, they just get the fingers? Yeah. Maybe I, they just missed and they don't have coordination. <laughs> maybe. I, it's happened a few times to me, so I, I would doubt it's coordination. But may, maybe. You could be right. See, now, I've been surprised on some handshakes before where I thought was talking to some people and thought that this was like, all right, they're, they're going to go with a firm one. And then they look away at the last second. And I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that from them. Usually you can see a guy who's going to give you a limp look away. I just if, if you don't look me in the eyes during a handshake, it's like, all right, well, this conversation or whatever is about to happen, is, I've already lost complete respect for you. I'm going straight hugs with people from now on, even guys I don't know, just walking up, <laughs> hug, and then and put my arms around the lower waist slash butt area. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my number three is just someone's general body posture. Like if they look like they carry themselves well or if they kind of just look miserable and that, I kind of noticed that. I noticed that pretty quickly. All right. Yeah. So that's all my honorable mention. Um, I think it kind of goes along with like your – like my like my teeth thing. Like you kind of know right away like if somebody – you know, if they're slumped over or if they – you know, like you can just tell usually by someone's posture like what you just said. Uh, the kind of conversation or whatever you're about to get into with that person. I feel like our this top five is not nearly judgmental enough yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to come across as a dick. I mean, you know, are you kind of a dick? Like, how long does it take you to get an opinion of somebody? Like, I like this person. I don't like this person. I, I try to. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sound politically correct. I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt until. You know, the handshake or, 
you know, the smell or something. You know, I, I don't usually see someone coming at me right away unless it's one of these things, you know. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. Why am I here? I feel like I'm much more judgmental than that. Like, I usually know within a couple of minutes of like, all right, this is we're like this is a waste of time for both of us. We're not going to like each other. Let's just move on. Or we're going to be best friends and start a podcast together. Uh, what's your number one? Uh, did I get my number two yet? Yeah, you said it was a hand. Sh- no, I don't know. Did you? No, I, I'm on number two. Oh, okay. Uh, I have shoes down as my number two. Really? So you're a judgmental fuck. Well, y- y- yes, to a certain <laughs> point. I say shoes, though, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I'm going to come across as a dick, and I'm sorry. But where I live, there's a lot of quote-unquote homeless people, but I've learned throughout the years that you can always tell someone's true place in society or state in society, whatever you want to say, by their fucking shoes. Like, if you're out asking for money and you're wearing brand new Jordans, odds are you're probably not homeless. Yeah, that's a good That's a good way. I know what you mean by that. Like, I don't necessarily look at somebody's shoes, but it's the same kind of thing as, like, how they're dressed. Have they been able to are – you, are you putting any effort into what you're doing? I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, I had an experience when I was younger that I went to a meeting – uh, at my my first job, and I was wearing regular shoes, and it was you know like a a business formal meeting, and I walked in wearing sneakers. Now looking back, every person that was in that room saw me coming and was like, "Oh yeah, look at this asshole." He has no idea what's going on. Were they New Balances? <laughs> no, I, I I know they were Nikes, but they were like gray with a, like a blue uh, like a little blue line on the side, but. My point is, is it doesn't necessarily have to be like the, you know, the, the homeless thought. It can be like, you know, any, anything in life, you know, from business to, you know, like if you're at a basketball game and some guy's dressed in a three-piece suit with like nice dress shoes on, it's like, come on, man. Like, what the fuck? Maybe he's the coach, dude. Maybe he's trying to put out a vibe for his team to be inspired. <laughs> See, that's the, the problem. Coach. That That's why I didn't put shoes on there because I think shoes you get into way too judgmental territory. I think that's too. Well, I think that's too much, man. I think it's too much. Literally three minutes ago, you said I wasn't being judgmental enough. So there you go. Whatever you said, your number two, right? Was the handshake? Yeah, my number two is the handshake. What's your number one? Uh, grammar. Really? Yes. Grammar. Once again, oh. once again, I'm not. I'm not hating. Like I don't mean to offend anybody. I understand people have speech impediments. This and that. I get it. However. There are some people that use certain dialects that they just shouldn't. Wow. Or, wow. I'm not, <laughs> you better you better be really careful. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm saying, you know, there's, there, there's, there's words that should be enunciated that our culture has decided that it's okay to, for, for instance, like all these young kids nowadays, uh, you know, instead of laughing, actually laughing, they'll just say LOL. Okay. Like, that's what like, I felt like I was going to have to step in because what you were sounding like for a second there is not what John really means. He's talking about something else. Yeah, yeah. This has nothing to do. I, and I stop me if I'm going in the wrong direction. No, I think not- that the easy way that people might read into it is like you're talking about some kind of ethnic or racial. No thing, but that's not what that's not what he means. He means no, in terms no, of not, not even close. And if 
I'm going to put the disclaimer out there right now that if that's the way you take this, then it's all on you because that's not how I mean it whatsoever. People that don't finish words or people that, you know, the I've, I've had a few people now uh, nowadays where you ask them a question and they look at you, kind of mumble, and then go back to doing what they're doing. And, like, you're supposed to understand what they're mumbling. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like, no, like, I mean – I wanted some good judgmental, and now you've gotten some good judgmental. I like it. You want the Queen's English at all times. <laughs> I just want people to fucking talk if you can. You know what I mean? Stop letting the computers and text messages and everything else ruin our society. Wow. Let's actually communicate like we were meant to do face-to-face. I'm trying to – let me look up and see if there's anyone that you did not offend – between different ethnicities, ages, and anyone else. Let's see. Who didn't you possibly call out in that? No, I think you pretty much covered all the bases. I think you got it. Once again, I guess I have to say it again. It's not any kind of racial undertone, anything. <laughs> None of that. If you take it that way, that's on you. It's more about just people are so wrapped up in using this language that we've created from like text messaging and computers and AOL instant messenger. It's like, you know, I, I don't want you to say LMFAO, like fucking laugh. Like I'm right next to you. Like, why are you talking to me? Like I'm on a fucking computer. Well, here's the thing. Language is a living, breathing thing and language evolves with time. So maybe this is just language evolving and you're the guy sitting back there telling everybody that their music is too loud. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna sound like that guy too. Yeah, um, why don't you go yell at kids to get off your lawn and to turn down that music because the only real music was the music that you were listening to. It's a living, breathing thing. It's changing. Just accept it. People talk different ways. The only the only language that is universal is the language of love. <laughs> oh my god. What's your number one? You call me out for not being controversial enough. What's your number one? I don't know. I think you went. Mine's pretty simple. I thought it's pretty much universal for everybody. It's it's eyes. You notice people's <laughs> eyes. This is the first thing I notice. Oh yeah, I left that off my list. Well, yeah, I had you it with did. The handshake. You were too busy fucking ranting and raving about kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see what all of our. Uh... I don't even know what they're called. They're like, because we're millennials, right? Technically, I think so. I think millennials is a pretty broad thing. I hate that fucking term. I should have put that down as my number one. Oh, Anyone that's who refers the fucking to themselves worst. as a millennial. I hate the, the 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 phrase in and of itself. Everybody who is <laughs> who is is a millennial or who is not a millennial should stop referring to it because now people try to anyway. This is a whole thing. Uh, I don't know what <laughs> Until the next next time. I don't know what the generation under us is called. I think they're like Gen... I don't know. Shitbags. Ooh. You know what? I think we have a bright future, and I would encourage those people to continue doing the things they want. And if you want to talk a different way, you can talk however you damn well please. I'm not going <laughs> to judge you. Unless, LOL. T-T-Y-L. I'm not going to judge you for your language, but if you got cross-eyed, then, 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 <laughs> then I'm going to then I'm gonna go ahead and judge you. Um, what's on your honorable mention? Uh, so I have Smile on there. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Maybe I should have put that as number one. I don't <laughs> you know. probably should have went with that. <laughs> um, 
I also have laughs. I also have, uh, <laughs> uh, like, the hands, people's hands. Really? See, I don't notice people's hands necessarily. I don't. I guess I never look at their hands. So, you wanted to talk about me being judgmental. Well, here you go. I uh, I have this thing. I don't like nail polish. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard. I remember. <laughs> so, like, believe it or not, that I can actually get a date. Uh, no offense to my wife. Um, you know, like, She's so I, if I was on a date with a woman wearing nail polish, I would want to throw up every second of that date. Really? Yeah. yeah I, just, I, I just hate it. Like, She's disgusting. Yeah, it's just, why, like, why do you gotta, you know, why do you gotta paint your nails? Like, just let them be natural. Let them be the natural color. Why can't you let people be themselves? Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they just want to paint their nails. Maybe it makes them feel pretty and special. Well, if, I, I have a feeling we may be getting some comments on my disrespect this, uh, this week. So yeah, I, maybe I should I, put I, in my resignation letter now. No, I don't think a lot of the comments are going to be directed at me. <laughs> I don't think you, so either. You gotta That's go ahead. Right, I can take them. Taking that territory. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I don't like is when people call out people for typos. Like they fucking happen, dude. You know what I meant. Move on with your day. Like it's <laughs> there, not there. Everybody knows that. Go on. We're okay. That's not two. That's T O O. Shut the fuck up. It's a typo. <laughs> Look. You know what's funny is. If people are still listening to this, probably not. They, they like, they get what we're saying, and I guarantee you, they at least feel a little bit about something that we've said. One of these different, you know, things that you notice about somebody, because everybody jumps to conclusions whether they want to admit it or not. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out, and. Leave a review, hopefully a good one, or at least make it negative and funny. <laughs>